All right, welcome into another edition of the Duck Territory Podcast. Post-game edition, not the best post-game to talk about, guys. Oregon Falls 34-20 to number 25, Washington State. Oregon uh, is now 5-2 and two overall, 2-2 two and two in the Pac-12. Washington State improves to 6-1 and one overall, 3-1 and one in the Pac-12. They're half a game out of first place. Oregon is one and a half games out of first place, uh, or excuse me, from second Two games out from first place now. The Huskies uh, sit atop the first place standings. And uh, this was a game, Mario Cristobal said it best. Uh, Alec wrote a story about this as well. A game of two halves. A tale of two cities almost, if you will. Play on words. Uh, Oregon was astronomically terrible in the first half. Maybe the worst first half we'd ever seen. I think you're being kind right there by saying they're astronomically terrible. I think that, that was almost being too nice. They were, that was the worst half I think they've ever played. At one point, they were outgained like 255 to 1 yardage in the midway through that first half, and obviously didn't go their way. <laughs> when you're outgained like that, typically you're not ahead on the scoreboard either. Yeah, I think they had 38 yards of total offense. 39, off- 39 yeah. yards of total offense, and that didn't happen until about three minutes to go in the second quarter when. No, up until that point, they had one. They had I, know, one I think yard. it was the last dri- last drive. It might have been less than three minutes when they got the ball there. It was yeah, it was the fair tail end of that half where they, they actually had a chance to get some points on like a forty seven yard heave to the end zone from Herbert to Mitchell. But just kind of like everything in the first half, Mitchell drops it, and at the time it seemed completely insignificant. Yeah. But as we later learned, like if he catches that pass, this it was game tied was, at one point. Yeah, would, yeah, the game would have been a completely different game. So and I'm sure that. That's got to make him sick in the stomach because he's been money all game. Yeah, all year, yeah. Uh, yeah, all year, I should say, especially in Pac-12 play. And it wasn't the easiest catch. No. But it hit him in the hands when he had his hands extended out cradle to cradle the ball. I mean, it was like the perfect situation to catch a pass. Right. Yeah, I mean, he should have caught the ball. I mean, just looking looking – Right from the first series, offensive series of the game. No, let's right? start there. That's a good yeah, spot. Yeah, you, you see <laughs> Deion there's a Lamar, lot there. You know, get his first interception of the game, which he, he had a pretty good game overall. Yeah, he had two bucks. Yeah, but you know, you you see that, and that's that's a total momentum swing right from the start. And you sort of get in the sense, wow, like is Oregon really? You know, they can march down the field, take this crowd out of it immediately. But what you saw is the crowd impact Oregon's offense. And they just and players talked that. about that. They yeah. admitted it. Right, they, they just totally fizzled under that pressure. They said that they thought they had the right cadence snap count to go going into the game. They learned after that first drive or two, I, I think they I had think, to go back and switch it. I think they underestimated the the crowd noise here, and that's you know I think we're obviously putting some words in their mouth. But they did say that they went out before the game, heard the crowd noise, and kind of yeah. thought, hey, we can do business as usual and use our normal cadence. Clearly, that was not the case. The first like they went three and out, and there were two snaps that were. Terrible. One of them was bailed out because there was a defensive, or no, it was a false start. Oregon had a false start penalty, but instead of so that the play didn't count. Otherwise, it would have been a safety that Herbert jumps on. The first two snaps were bad. Then they had, I think, two false starts. Uh, you know, the whole the whole first series was just an absolute mess, a delay of game. I mean, the whole thing was just a disaster. Here's how the drive went: team rushed for a loss of seven yards because Justin Herbert fumbled the snap. It was bad snap by Jake Hansen, whatever you want to call it. Loss of seven balls now at. Uh, the Oregon eight uh, yard line penalty false start four yards to the Oregon four dead ball foul uh, and, and that, then, that was the one that also was a bad snap that one in the end zone would have been a safety yeah that saved a safety yeah. and then the penalty Washington State delay of game five yards 
And I think that was Washington State's defensive linemen or linebackers simulating a snap count for Oregon and trying to get Oregon offsides. And then it goes Verdell rush five yards, penalty Oregon delay of game five yards back, Justin Herbert pass complete, Brendan scores seven yards, and then a punt, and the referees blew the whistle and, and then ended up saying there was no illegal substitution by the defense, so Oregon had to punt again and it ended up being 54 yards. Everyone was drunk in the stadium that wasn't working, and clearly the first half it seemed like that included Oregon's players because the first half it was terrible. It was awful, yeah. And the, first, the first series was... I mean, the first series was... It's I like they weren't even prepared. It, that felt like the worst series I've seen... To open a game, probably ever. I mean, outside of them throwing a pick six in the first play or something like that. I mean, it was just so discombobulated. It looked like they hadn't really figured out. I mean, the fact that you have to change, and, and I don't want to be overly critical because I know this is a difficult job. The fact that you have to change your cadence midway through your first drive of the game, to me, is a little bit alarming because I think you you should come into this game prepared for the crowd noise because you know it's going to be loud and we spoke about this off air beforehand a lot of this coaching staff hasn't really been to Washington State obviously Jim Mastro, right. Jalisa Alavela and a couple other guys have coached here and have some experience here but I, I think they might I, I do think they underestimated how loud it was going to be it was very very loud I can say that firsthand sitting up here it was an extremely loud and raucous environment especially when you take into account that it's like 33,000 fans it's the smallest um, stadium in the Pac-12 but this, this fan base was ready. Uh, they had game day earlier in the day. These guys, like you said, had probably been drinking for a while, 11 to 12 hours straight by the time kickoff started. And so, yeah, it was a, it was a madhouse here. And, and that really set the tone for what was, again, an all-time kind of bad first half. They were down 27 to nothing going into, into the locker room. And I think we all kind of wrote it off and figured this is going to be maybe like a, a 49 to 7 game. Oregon's going to get totally blown out. And yet, to their credit, and I think they deserve some credit for this, because it's not easy to pick yourself up from the mat after getting just bludgeoned over and over and over again. I mean, Washington State, Oregon basically posed zero resistance for Washington yeah. State defensively. The Cougars had the ball for like 22 minutes in the first half. Yeah, I think it was 22 and a half out of and 30 minutes. And they throw the ball nonstop. Yeah. So the ball's going to hit the ground, clocks are going to stop, and they still found a way to get the ball for so long. And they just moved it up and down the field, led 27 nothing. At one point, Oregon... Had an opportunity. It looked like to, to kind of run the rest of the clock out. They go three and out again. Washington State wisely had their timeout save. Comes back down. They score a touchdown. At that point, 27 nothing. You're like, this game is over. Oregon has no chance. And like I said, to their credit, they came out in that second half. And I thought played pretty inspired football. I, I actually really thought that Washington State really did a good job running the ball when it mattered. Yeah. I mean, it, it seems like they, they put themselves in good positions, good second and third down, third and manageable. Uh, but it seems like they James Williams are running back. I think back it's Jamal. James Jamal. Is, it, is it James? James Williams. I've been calling the wrong one. I believe it's Max Borgie, right? They, he goes by Boogie. Boogie Williams. Boogie Williams. Because he is. likes to be known as the Friday Night Lights Boogie. Well, that's the one who got injured. Of, that's an incredible little story there. Okay. Right? The one who got injured. Well, that's, either way. I thought it was Boogie. <laughs> anyway. Either way. Okay. Washington State's, I, I feel like their ability, you know, that's one thing you sort of felt comfortable. You know, obviously Washington State, they rushed for, what, they carried the ball 24 times for 77 yards, not all that impressive, but you sort of felt that Oregon should have been able to stop the run when it mattered. It seemed like Washington State actually had the, the edge there. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about that second half, though, because I, I think if Oregon had come out and played their second half like they played the first half, 
there'd be a lot of alarm. And I think there still is from the fan base because they thought they were going to come out and win this game and take control of the Pac-12 North. But at the same time, they scored 17 unanswered, were a stop away from having a chance to have the ball back and tie the game right at the end of regulation. Obviously, that doesn't happen. There are a couple of really, really crucial They scored conversions. 20 unanswered. You're right, 20 unanswered. Yeah, because 27 to 20. Yeah. Uh, but a couple really crucial plays there. First, Javon Holland looks like he picks off a long pass, but the Washington State player kind of rolls over him and takes control of the ball, and that's a 37-yard pass play. And then I think it was a, <laughs> right after that, it actually forced a fourth and six play where Oregon gets a stop there. They get the ball with about four minutes to go in a timeout, and, and that's one score game. They would have had a chance to come down and tie. Washington State um, converts, uh, I think, like a little short crossing pass. Basically, the, path, the, the routes that were killing them all day, the underneath kind of uh, routes and, and, and got a first down and then two plays later threw a touchdown pass to seal it but you have to like the fight at least I know it wasn't pretty I think um, you know if this was a boxing match you give the first and second quarters to Washington State like really dominant and then the second and, and the third and fourth quarters you give to Oregon fairly dominant so it was actually ended up being a fairly even game if you look at it that way but you can't dig yourself a 27 point and expect to have I mean, any look, chance. The way you put it is this. Oregon played the worst half of football that they've played in years. Years. I can't think of a worse half. Against a really good quality opponent on the road, and yet with six minutes, five minutes to go in the game, they had two opportunities to get off the football field and give their offense a chance to have a, a, a drive to tie the football game, and they didn't do it. Yeah. I mean, as crazy as that sounds – I, I walk away and the scoreboard tells me 34 to 20 Washington State, and I keep going back to a quote that Mario Cristobal said last week or this week leading up to the game that the, he told the guys, "Hey man, the scoreboard lies. A funky play here, a, 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 a play here, a turnover there, and next thing you know, you feel like you're dominating the game, which Oregon didn't do. No, but at the same time, you feel like you're dominating the game and you're losing. I walk away from this football game saying. Oregon played the worst half of football they possibly could. Washington State probably played about as good as they possibly could Absolutely. in the first half and put together a 27 to nothing lead, and Oregon almost came back and won. I think two things that you can look at from that second half is Oregon scores 20 points. That's an impressive thing to do in the second half, and Oregon has been terrible in the second half all season, by the way. I mean, I think this is the most points I'm pretty sure they've scored in a second half in Pac-12 play for sure, maybe for the year. But they didn't maximize their points. Yep. You know, they had two drives that stalled for we short talk field goals. This. And I was going to talk that leading into this because Oregon has a chance to cut it to 27-14. And again, at this point, all this feels a little insignificant because you kind of think Oregon hasn't stopped Washington State all day. There's no way they're going to string together four or five stops, which they ended up doing. But they have the ball first and goal, and I think it's at the six-yard line. And you think, okay, they're, they're going to come away with seven points here for sure. Instead, they run Travis Dye, who hadn't played the whole game, off the left side of the line, basically the exact same play three times in a row. The first two times it stuffed for a no game. Third time it stopped, stopped for a three or four yard loss. Cristobal said after the game that the reason they ran that same play on third down is they thought they were gonna to get to the one or two yard line and it was gonna be four down territory and they'd go for it. Unfortunately, they lose four yards and it's now fourth and goal from the 10 yard line. So they kicked the field goal to make it 27-10, but I don't understand why they're running the ball on second or third down, much less first down because they had all the success getting the ball down the field through the air, and Travis Dye hadn't played all game. I found that to be the most probably bizarre series of plays I've seen from Oregon all season. 
besides, I guess, some of that weird stuff against Stanford yeah. at the end. But I thought that was really poorly. I thought those were poor decisions, and that was. I think it's hard to argue in the, the, in the opposition that those were poor decisions. Let's look at the first one where Oregon had the ball first and six at Washington State's six in the third quarter. Yeah. Um, I think that was absolutely terrible play calling. And that Oregon's best player is Justin Herbert, yeah. and they didn't let him – you know, try and even make one play. Yeah. And and it was again and then Mark Cristobal post game was asked about why why run the ball three times, why do it with Travis Dye, um, and then why kick the field goal. And he said that they were in four down territory, Travis Dye then got no gain on the first down and then lost two yards on uh, lost one yard on for, on second down, and then he still felt like it was third and seven from the third and goal from the seven. He felt like they were in a Washington State's defense was in a position where they were in pass protection, mm-hmm. and very similar to Washington last week, and right. that they could run the ball. and And he said, at worst case, we have a fourth and two, or a fourth and one, or a fourth and three, and they would have gone for it then. I I can't get over the fact that Oregon. Moved the ball so well in those first two drives offensively in the second half because they let Justin Herbert throw the ball, because they were aggressive, taking the initiative and putting it on Washington State to then not let your best player throw the ball or bootleg it out and give him the run pass option or something of that nature. That's how he scored the first time. Right. Um, It just, to me, it's not going to, that one play doesn't decide the game, but at the same time, a touchdown. Back-to-back plays would have been back-breaking for Washington. State. I mean, yeah, and, and maybe it doesn't decide the game, but we're talking about it would have been potentially twenty-seven, twenty-four, which I think changes what Washington State might have done because it would have been fourth and six, and they might have kicked a field goal or something like that. You know what I mean? I mean, they would have maybe approached things a little differently. Um, I, I don't know, maybe they wouldn't have, but I, I just think, I just think that that was a bizarre series of events, and I understand the explanation, and, and I, but I'm with you. I think. I think I don't get why you don't put the ball in the hands of the guy who's got you there, or even the second guy who's got you there, which would have been Verdell. And yeah. Why is he not in the game? I know they said he needed a rest, but it, the whole thing was, I think, perplexing, and and I agree. You can't point to that sequence entirely for the loss, but I feel like that was something where you had all the momentum, and you could take even more, and you just kind of handed some back to Washington State by getting conservative. Yeah, I think my biggest critique of the whole scenario is the Travis Dye. Putting Travis Dye, I know he was uh, – that the coaching staff was trying to arrest Burdell, but putting in Travis Dye is such an impactful moment in the game. A yeah. guy who's had fumble issues, I think that's was actually really unfair to him to put in that type of situation and say, "Hey, we're we have six yards to go. You know, try to get a score here." Would you rather seen Cyrus or Tony Brooks James? I mean, I just I would have put I would have yeah. ran Verdell. I would have probably ran Verdell. Just play. You just tell him, "Hey, tough it up. You got to tough run. it up. Run." I mean, he. he Came, he was in the next series. It's not like he had, you know, and I think Crystal did say after the game, because we should mention, Verdell came limping off the field on like Oregon's second or third to last play of regulation right at the end there. And Cristobal said something about how he had a hip issue, and we'll have to kind of confirm that on Monday. But I, I would have either probably, I would have just, I don't care who's on the field, run it on first down maybe, but I, you got to, you got to give Herbert the ball in second and third. I mean, I'm sorry. I don't understand well, why you don't do that. Especially up to that point, you know, he had found a lot of success running the ball, too. Yeah. You know, yeah. just get him out on a play action, something like that. A little yeah, so I don't know. I thought that was bungled. And then, and then obviously, the, the second one where they kicked the field goal, 
it is what it is. They have to take points in that situation. That got it to 27 uh, to 20. They, they have to take the points. At the same time, I think they got the ball down to similar distance, yeah. like about six to eight yards away, and, and were unable to find a way to I mean, Herbert almost threw a pick. He almost yeah, threw a pick, which would have been a huge – which have been very costly. And that was actually, to me, I thought he played a very good second half. Uh, I was like his one bad play. One bad play, but that's a situation where you have to recognize the circumstances because he tried to fit into Breland in an extremely tight window. The ball bounces up in the air off of the Washington State defender. It's almost picked off. That's third down. Oregon needs points on that drive because if they come up with empty-handed, the game's completely over. They get a field goal, so now it's a one-score game, so there's a little bit of hope. Obviously, he, he's looking for it all there, but to me, that's a, that's a teachable moment there where you go, yo, buddy, like, we need points here. We don't Turnovers don't cut it here. The turnover pretty much ends the game. So, yeah, I thought that was an error. Um, uh, at the same time, I thought he played about as well as you could ask of him in the second half. I know he had some misses here and there, but he was pretty spectacular in the second half, I thought, um, and had some had some pretty wow moments in terms of the throw. The, the throw down to Schooler, I think, to get them in position on that drive we were talking about was just an absolute frozen rope and an awesome play. Washington State had a hundred had had three hundred yards in the first half. They had a hundred and five. Yeah. In the second half. Yeah, Oregon did a good job in the second half. I mean, and Kalana Apolu, you know, one of the things, and we should mention that I think he had Washington, fourteen tackles, he had 10 fourteen solo. tackles. Yeah, but Washington State on that, I think their second touchdown, really bizarre play. Or was it the first touchdown? Was it the first touchdown on the weird snap? or Was that their second? I I can't recall. Hmm. I think it was the first. Was it the first? first? But it was. It was. They. They had a. And Cristobal is still. He was uncertain on the rules here, but he thinks it shouldn't have stood. But either way, Williams for Washington State broke like literally everybody from Oregon touched him, and he still scored. I mean that. That was kind of I think in a nutshell the issues they had in that first half because there were so many instances of just guys are actually getting to the ball carrier and not making tackles. And it was almost like they were trying to body slam or strip the guy, and opposed right. to just. Wrapping up. Yeah, and it, it, what it, Apelu said after the game um, was basically that we were in position in the first half and we didn't make the plays. In the second half, we were in position and we made the plays. And that was because you know, I think a lot of people were thinking, oh, they must have had some sort of major overhaul of what they were doing offensively and defensively. But kind of the gist of what everyone said was that no, we just played better, we just executed better. I think Cristobal said that as well on both sides of the ball. So um, Cristobal said that you know it wasn't. I mean, let me try and find the actual quote here. But you know, he he was. I I asked him, you know, what was the issue in in the first half in terms of being able to to run the football uh, and in the offense just being able to work. Um, and I'm trying to find the quote here. Don't think I I can find it. Basically, he said that. Paraphrasing here is that. There wasn't any miraculous game-changing game planning done at halftime. It was simply just execution. The things that were happening in the second half were there in the first half. Oregon just didn't execute properly. And that goes back to what we said at the beginning of the podcast of Oregon just, whether they didn't respect the opponent or they weren't prepared enough or they came in lackadaisical, whatever you wanted to say, they just didn't play good football in the first I, I half. I found the quote from Cristobal. He said, we didn't execute the same stuff that we executed in the second half. So it it wasn't like it was a miraculous game plan change. It wasn't like the focus was poor. We were dialed in. We felt like we were dialed in, but we did not do a good job of executing. It just comes down to execution. And this is a team that, look, you know, I think they're a little bit ahead of schedule. I think the talk of playoffs, 
that some fans and some media members had of Oregon yeah. this week were way premature. Uh, but they're certainly possible because they've got the talent. But it this, was possible, not anymore. Not anymore. Uh, but this is the team, though, that, look, their, their margin of error is pretty thin because they don't have a lot of – they're not fully stocked yet of crystal ball guys and super talented players. They're still – this is a team two years ago that went 4-8 and eight yeah. in Pac-12 in, in regular season. And you can say that that was not you know, a, a predicament of the talent on that roster, that, that talent underperformed. But at the same time, they still went four and eight. And the year before that, even though Herbert got hurt, they went seven and six. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and you can point to, oh, if they had Herbert for, for Washington State or if they had Herbert for UCLA, they would have won that game. But I go back to saying, well, they had Herbert for Arizona State and they should have won that one and they lost. Sure. So this is still a team learning, developing its culture, you know, getting to where they are. They can compete with the best schools in, in the conference and in the country, but at the same time, they don't have a margin of error that's very big because if they make one mistake, it could be costly. Yeah, and I, I will be really curious, and I, I wrote about this. The schedule gets much easier. Oregon had an extremely front-loaded schedule. They played really the – probably the – well, definitely the three best teams in the Pac-12 North. Probably you could argue the three best teams in the conference overall. I think Utah probably deserves to be in that discussion as well. But um, the schedule is, is much easier in the back, and they play five games from here. Um and I think every one of them is winnable. I think at Utah is very challenging, but the rest of them are, are, are going to be teams that are probably going to have losing records when they play them. Yep. Um, there's still a chance this team can win a lot of games, but I'm curious just to see how they respond from this. We they can still win ten games. They can still win ten games. They could. They could still. I think I wrote about it earlier. I, it's still plausible they could still win the Pac-12 North. Um, you have to realize Washington, Washington State, and Stanford all have to play each other. That's three guaranteed losses amongst those teams. Um, Oregon would need some help from somebody else because the only team they own the tiebreak against would be Washington. So if they are, you know, end up tied with these other teams, that's a problem. But uh, I'm just curious to see how they respond from this because I think that I think they have the skill and the talent to go on a run here to finish the Pac-12 play and, and maybe win five in a row. And and you look up and like you said, they're ten and two and and, and they have a chance at uh, maybe winning the division. But I, I think it's still. I lean to them playing up to how they played in the second half from here on out, but this is, again, a young team, like you said, and I wouldn't be shocked if we see probably not a half that bad again, but stretches where they play at that level because we just haven't seen them consistently play like they did in the second half really all season. They basically played a handful of good halves and a handful of bad halves all year. Well, I think uh, I think you make a really good point. I mean, after Stanford, after Oregon lost to Stanford, you, you know, that was, we were asking the same questions, you know, how are they going to bounce back? How is this going to affect them? And the, Oregon came back with two impressive victories over Cal and over Washington. So, you know, like you said, with the schedule getting easier, how are they going to respond? I, one of my favorite quotes of the night, actually, was Shane Lemieux. He was talking about the team last year compared to this year. And he says, if we go into that halftime last year, the, uh, it's the same circumstances with this game. Right. The final score would have been fifty to nothing, and I, and he's like, this this we rallied in the second half, and now Oregon has a chance to rally back from this game next week at Arizona, mm-hmm. and the second half of this season, which is not as tough as it was the first half. Certainly, yeah. Let's get into hot takes. <laughs> okay, hot takes from Pullman, where it's starting to get cold and cool. Uh, I'll start first. Okay, good. That's that's new. Usually you wait to the end and then you take it back <laughs> off. But I'll go last. Well, put me, I, I, you know, I'm going to go second. I'm going to volunteer and go second. You sure? Yeah, I'll take sure. second. 
So Oregon loses. They're now five and two in the con- in regular season play. They're they're two and two in conference play. Uh, I don't think they're going to lose the rest of the year. I think, including postseason. Yes. Okay. I think they win their bowl game. I think they so I think they they finish the year six and zero, five and zero in regular season. Um, I don't think they get to a college. They don't get to the Pac twelve championship game, so they won't have an opportunity to play in the Rose Bowl. Um, and I think it's a kind of a two parter. And then to, and then next weekend's game at Arizona State, Ducks are going to win by three scores. Well, that last one kind of good. I, I think Oregon is going to win four of the next five games by four touchdowns or more. Four of the next five by four or more. Wow. Because I don't Ooh, think I thought I was hot saying they were not going to lose. I, I don't think I think Arizona sucks. I think UCLA sucks. Damn. I think Arizona State sucks. I think Oregon State sucks. I don't think those teams are good. And I think if Oregon plays like they played in the second half here, they could put it on those teams. I mean, like those teams are bad. None of those teams are any good. <laughs> Which one of those teams is good? None of those teams are any good. And and I, and, I, and I, but I I'm cautious about Utah. I think Utah might be. Sneakily, quietly, the best team in the conference. I yeah. have two losses right now. They lost to Washington and Washington State. Both games were really close. They could have won either one of those games. They're playing probably the best football. I didn't see the final score in that USC game. You want me to tell you? Yeah, tell me what I, it is. I have a computer. You have a computer. I don't anymore. Well, I still have one. I don't have it open. I didn't lose it up here, which would be a real disaster. Um, so they won that one 41 to 28. And it was at one point a 14 nothing win or for, USC. for USC. So. They won a, they USC. Won a huge so run. here we go. It, if I'm correct here, uh, it's not telling me the scores. Oh, here we go. Scoring plays. So or uh, Utah scored thirty-four straight points. Yeah, they're, they're good. So I, I would my, my my hot take is that they're going to win those four games, but I still think they're going to lose to Utah. I, I think I think Utah's a really tough team. I think that on the road, that's going to be a challenge. Um, I think it's going to be a better game than what this was, at least for the entirety of it. But I think that's I think they're going to go four and one to finish. I think they're going to blow out four teams, and I think they're going to lose to Utah. That's that's my prediction. Which actually nine lines and three up. On the yeah, and that, that was my preseason prediction was nine and three. Yeah, I said ten and two. Yeah. So you're sticking. You're both, we're all sticking with our guns here. Alec, finish us off here with a, a, a nice hot take. I'll keep it simple. Yeah. I'll say. The winner of Oregon Utah will be in a New Year's Six Bowl. Huh. I like that one. I think that uh, I I agree with you guys. I think Oregon four out of their next five opponents. I I just think they're going to blow them out. I, I don't think it will be relatively close. Um, I think Arizona State probably poses the biggest challenge, and I don't think they've looked that impressive. And Utah now, I mean, what? Where are they? They right have an offense. The south? Uh, they're first in the South. They're first in the South. So yeah, they have, they're tied with USC in the, the loss column, but they have the tiebreak because they've won. So if we're looking at the standings here, real quickly, because well, Colorado, USC, and Utah really are, are all are all two loss teams, and then I think the other ones are all worse. Oh, I just went to all conferences. I don't care about the all conferences. Matt, just go to the. Pac-12. So Utah and USC are three and two. Colorado is two and two. So is Arizona. But the Wildcats are about to lose to the UCLA Bruins, and it's. Are so they? They were just went ahead last I looked. Arizona did. Yeah. Sorry, this is all happening on the fly. For those listening, this is kind of boring podcast. <laughs> we're like talking about scores of games that we. It's, it's going to be really... over by the time you listen to this. So it's yeah, it's thirty-one thirty UCLA. Oh, they went back ahead. Okay. With okay. twenty-one seconds left, as as of this recording. Well, I think podcast. by the time you listen to this, this game, game will, will likely be over. be over unless we put this up immediately and somehow you listen to this. You fast forward just to this moment of the podcast and listen to it. 
But you're, okay. But so yeah, Arizona's gonna lose. Um, I but yeah, I, 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 I kind of agree with you on on that too. Yeah, I think if uh, if Utah beats Oregon, they have a good chance to, to go to the Pac-12 championship. And I, just the way they're playing with, um, they've always had a good defense, but the way their offense is clicking right now with Tyler Huntley and Britton Covey and Zach Moss, uh, they're they're just looking unstoppable. So if they can. Win out, beat Oregon. They're gonna make a New Year's Six bowl if it's the Rose Bowl. If Oregon wins out, I think they will get a New Year's Six bowl or Fiesta Bowl, something like that. It's worth mentioning there were I think representatives from a couple of the bowls here: Sun Bowl, Rose Bowl, and the uh, Orange Bowl. Pretty yeah. sure the Ducks aren't gonna go to the Orange Bowl. I don't think they'll make it the Orange Bowl, but they had representatives. Sun Bowl, Sun Bowl could be an option. Sun which could be terrible. Which would not be my favorite <laughs> choice either. But at the same time, hey, a bowl game's a bowl game. A bowl it's better than a couple a years game. ago. Um, Yes, when they went four and they were left out of the bowl game. And they did not make a bowl game because they won four games. Uh, I, I think just wrapping up, I, I, I think I think you're going to see this team play with a lot of fire going forward. Um, yeah, missed opportunities. Missed opportunities for sure. I think the way the game started, it was the perfect storm, just like all the wrong things. And um, I think this is a. I think I agree with. But I think the Shane Lemieux quote, I kind of line up with. It. I think I think this team is more has more mental fortitude than. Previous teams, and I think you're going to see them respond really well next week against Arizona. I think that's going to be a very lopsided game. I think you'll see, like I said, I think it's going to be lopsided games besides the Utah game, which I think is going to be a tough game, and I think they're going to lose a tough, a tight one there. I, I think, I think I know D- Duck fans are probably going to bed tonight disappointed, frustrated, confused on a lot of stuff. But I don't don't forget what happened last week against Washington. Don't forget how close the game with Stanford was. To, you know, this is a this is a pretty good football team. Uh, I think. You know, this, this, again, it gets easier from here, and, and I think you're going to see this team rattle off some big wins here and kind of regain some momentum. That's going to do it for us on the Duck Territory Podcast. Please go to iTunes and search on iTunes for the Duck Territory Podcast. Leave us a review, share, tweet out, whatever you want to do. Download us. Uh, we'd greatly appreciate that. Give us feedback as well. Uh, and for more coverage of this Oregon loss to the Washington State Cougars, uh, please go to DuckTerritory.com. We've got a ton of stuff up on the site, tons of video, tons of post-game reactions, and a lot more uh, on DuckTerritory.com. So for Alec, for Eric, and myself, Matt, thanks for listening to the Duck Territory Podcast, and we'll talk to you later. Bye.